Today's featured alumni on Uncharted, the Pioneer Alumni Podcast, is Julie. After graduating from Colby College with a dual degree in economics and creative writing, Julie began law school at Duke University. In this episode, Julie shares her interdisciplinary interests and work-life balance as an international student. If you're interested in deeper insights from Julie, listen to this long episode for her reflections and advice from Julie on law school applications and life as a JD candidate, thriving at a liberal arts college, and studying in the US as an international student as long as balancing multiple academic interests while still pursuing hobbies. Julie conducted research at Pioneer in Music Theory in 2018, exploring her passion for piano from an academic perspective. This episode of Uncharted features Aishwari, a pioneer alumni who conducted research at Pioneer in 2020, interviewing Julie. In this episode, Julie takes us through her rich journey of exploration and combining different interests, learning to network, obtaining internships, managing her diverse academic disciplines, and handling work-life balance. Julie shares her tips and inspiration, and reflects on how she came to choose her major without having to let go of her hobbies. Uncharted, the Pioneer Alumni podcast is hosted and produced by Alumni of the Pioneer Research Program, a virtual research institute for outstanding high school students. Widely respected for its high standards in selectivity and academic rigor, it is the only fully accredited and college credit bearing online research program. In the Pioneer Research Program, students work one-on-one with university professors in advanced study and research of a topic of their interest, ranging from physics to gender studies, culminating in a full-length undergrad-level research paper. Since 2012, over 7,000 students from 71 countries and regions have completed the program and joined the Pioneer Alumni community. Okay. So, I just want to ask you to introduce yourself real quick um so what is your name maybe you can talk about your major where you went to college your hometown and your hobbies stuff like that um yeah sure i'm julie and um i went to colby college right now i'm a 1l at duke university school of law my hometown is um shenzhen china it's a city that's very close to hong kong so a lot of people in the u.s think i come from hong kong but it's very different um as for hobbies i play the piano and i also like to do painting and um i also like to lie in bed and do nothing so (laughs) a lot of hobbies um yeah that's a great my major um, so I forgot that, but um, I, I'm an economics and English creative writing double major in Kobe College, but I also spent a lot of time practicing piano like for two hours every day. So I kind of think of myself as like triple major, but yeah. No, I think that's totally valid. I think it's awesome that you were able to pursue that in college, even if it wasn't technically one of your majors. Um yeah. So what inspired you to study economics and English? So you said specifically creative writing as your majors. I'm very curious. Um, yeah. So first of all, I think Kobe College has a really great creative writing program. So I sort of want to make use of that. But also, I just really like reading, uh, reading and writing, and especially in English, because it sort of allowed me to be like to use a different sort of personality um that's very different from the one like in the Chinese context and I really like that sort of role playing 
thing. And also to me, um, reading and writing is a process of seeing the world um, from another person's eyes, which feels cool and also rewarding. And um, I also just like the feeling of being in control when I'm writing fictional and also nonfiction work, because I get that precious space where I could present the stories to the reader in a way that I find interesting, and they'll just have to listen, <laughs> like they have no choice, oh, yeah. but hopefully they enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I did econ major because my parents want me to be an econ major. That's a very <laughs> typical Asian parents thing, but they do support my passion for writing, but they also want me to keep in touch with um, the real world a little bit more by learning about how um, the, econom the um, economists will understand the world. And I think they're right. I'm glad I did econ too. No, that makes so much sense. Like, I think my parents were over the moon when I added computer science to my philosophy major. They were like, you're finally doing something real. <laughs> um, So I totally understand that. That's really awesome. I think it also makes a lot of sense that you are going into law after why you're interested in creative writing. Um, Because I don't know if you're interested in litigation, but crafting arguments and documents is like you're in control of the narrative, right? Um. And at least from my experience, like the case briefs and stuff that I've read are always so narrative focused. You know, it's about making it um, the story that is most compelling out of the facts that you're given. So I think that's so cool. And I think it makes so much sense that you're going to law. So speaking of the law, I want to ask you, why are you interested in the law? Like, what are your main reasons and what are your favorite things about the law? Oh, by the way, what you just told me would actually make a great personal statement for a law school application, like the litigation part. I mean, I personally, I feel like I'll probably do transactional law work because I feel like I'm not as argumentative and I just feel scared when I'm on stage sometimes, especially when I'm trying to confront some somebody else. Although my mom says like I totally could be a litigator because sometimes I make such great arguments when I'm yeah. arguing with her. So um, <laughs> who knows? Um, but yeah. back to the topic, my yeah. interest in law. Um, I have two reasons. The first one is um, because I'm really interested in the logic and also the anal analytical aspects of law, kind of like how you are drawn into law, law too but yeah, um, yeah. yeah but part of the reason why I chose to apply to law school is because um, I found that the LSAT is much more fun than the GRE test like that's, that's yeah. so real yeah yeah because I feel like um, the GRE just tests you on like different subjects like um, statist statistics um, English vocabulary I feel like they're boring in terms of the exam preparation process and yeah I have a lot of respect for those of my classmates who um survived the, the GRE <laughs> test but I I could not um I I guess but I really like how the um the LSAT questions ask us to see through the words of um, the words of the complex sentences and try to find the structure and the core arguments behind them I feel like those are fun and also a rewarding exercise to do. But I also have a more um, formal answer to why I'm interested in law. And I also wrote about that in my personal statement. Um, 
So I really like how the law analyzes and solves real life problems. And I feel like my interest in law actually started in the summer of 2020 um, when I interned for my um, college's office of general counsel. And I think it was it was during the pandemic and a lot of schools shut down and sent their students home. And um, over that summer, a lot of schools basically freaked out about how they should carry on this whole school thing, like how they should um, make their students safely return back to campus in the fall semester. Um, while this whole pandemic thing is going on. And my college faced that same challenge and they need to come up with a plan for that. So that's part of the work that I helped them do when I was in their office. And to me, like that is really a therapeutic process because back then I was essentially trapped in the US. Like I couldn't go back home. Like all my plane tickets got canceled. Like I just can't um leave the US and I miss my family. But um while I was while I was at that office, I saw how they tackle um these issues one by one. They basically break down this whole pandemic challenge into smaller pieces and separate separated them into the legal and non-legal challenges and then um just tackle it one by one. Like for example, should students be required to get a flu shot? Should they get exemption for that? What is the best dates? And like, I guess just like the entire plan of like when first year students can come back, when the, the other students can come back, like those kind of more trivial things. But I feel like that whole process of making this um, huge challenge of COVID-19 into these solvable little steps was really um, important for me to see. And that's how I first became interested in law, because I feel like the law has this impressive power of helping you solve all kinds of real life issues and crises that you probably will like freak out if you don't know about the law. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful reason. I think both of your reasons are actually really incredible. And I think like the fact that it sounds like you really want to make an impact and the law is like a way for you to do that because it's basically making issues that seem huge and daunting and unsolvable into these manageable things that you can tackle one at a time, which I think is basically the essence of what being proactive as like an attorney is. So I think that's that makes so much sense. And that's really incredible. Um, so maybe we can talk about your experience as a pioneer alumnus now. Um, so I was curious, like, what do you remember about your pioneer experience? And, you know, what was it like? Like, what concentration were you part of? Like, I know this is probably a while ago. It was a while ago for me, too. Um, sometimes people ask me and I'm like, that's a great question. I probably have that question, too, because I don't know. Um, but if you remember anything that just like helped um, and like what stood out to you about your experience, that'd be great, so. Yeah, um, I did pioneer research when I was in grade 10, which is almost seven years ago. Um, time really flies. <laughs> um, I did music theory, um, specifically rhythmic studies with Professor Joseph Lubin from Oberlin Conservatory. I still remember that, yay. Um, and. <laughs> I think for the research part, I 
did an like a paper analyzing um, Tchaikovsky's piano piece. It's called uh, Barcarolle of June, which is a piece that I performed before. And then I thought maybe I should also try to analyze this like from a rhythmic music theory perspective so I can understand it better. And also it's a way for me to show off to my future college friends. So I just did that. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I think um, I've definitely heard that piece. It's incredible. Um, that sounds like it was really enjoyable. So I'm very curious. So like, what do you think you gained from participating in Pioneer? And like, how did you grow from it? Um, and like, in what ways did Pioneer affect your confidence coming into your undergraduate studies and the way that you really approached your academics in college? Yeah, um, first of all, the whole experience is just really pleasant for me. I really enjoyed taking classes with um, Professor Lubin and doing rhythmic analysis um, on that piece that I really wanted to do <laughs> analysis on. And um, because before that time, I mostly just did piano performance and didn't really take any music theory courses. So it was a great opportunity for me to be, be able to um, see music from a different perspective. But also, I feel like that whole experience made me feel way more confident going into college because it gave me this um, early exposure to college level academic research, which you would not be able to get if you are just taking regular high school classes. And also I was able to see how like a college professor's expectation for your work will be and that level of detail. And I think it's all very helpful for me like when I actually got to college and take those classes. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. I think Pioneer is really helpful in really preparing you for what a college class is like, what, I mean, for me, at least, I think that writing that paper gave me like this very powerful tool of knowing how to write a research paper. Yeah. It's actually surprisingly really complicated and really hard. So yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's a really good advantage to have when coming into college. So I'm glad that you also had that experience as well. Um, so speaking of high school, what were you like as a high school student and like which ways have you grown, changed, developed since then? I'm curious. Um, yeah, I am going to be honest with you. I was kind of nerdy when I was a high school student. I did a lot of things, but basically every day I just stayed in the classroom or in my dorm room, like doing homework, school projects and or practicing piano. That's basically what I did every day. Um, and I guess I, a lot of the times I was not really enjoying, I mean, I love studying, like obviously, but I just, I feel like a lot of the times I was just doing things for the sake of doing them instead of like actually doing the things that I enjoy the most and delving deeper into them. So um, I feel like right now I learned to pay more attention to work-life balance um, and also to try to do things that I enjoy the most rather than just doing it just for the sake of doing it. And also I feel like efficiency and time management skills are really important and it's something that we really need to learn when we go to college because you're going to face a lot more pressure, a lot more classes and it's just important for you to be able to efficiently manage all of them so that you can actually, you know, have a life. Yeah, no, I'm actually a little curious. Um, maybe this is coming from my own experience, but 
like for example right now I live off campus um so for me the whole time management thing is so important like I can literally pull out my planner right now I have a heart like a physical planner that I don't like it's literally my life and blood <laughs> like I yeah. need it you know like I don't know what I'm doing without it I'm kind of lost um because also like part of it is you have to cook you have to clean your place you have to like you know there's all these other responsibilities that come with like adulting per se um so I was curious like did you ever did you like live in the dorms for the like entirety of four years I'm not exactly sure how it was at Colby um or did you like live off campus um for any of your time in college um yeah so I feel like I can relate to your experience like right now while at Duke because yeah. right now I'm living definitely living off campus and trying to cook and study and have a life all of that but um back in Kobe we actually had we actually had a like it's a, like a mandatory living on campus thing so I cannot face those sort of pressure and I guess the school wanted us to focus more on our academics in a way yeah. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, let me see if I can give you, I feel like I can't give you that much advice on this right now, because I'm also still trying to adjust yeah. all of these, but I sometimes think of like cooking and those other tasks as a way to like, um, get a break from schoolwork and yeah, I don't know if that's a yeah. good way to do it, but that's the strategy I'm using right now. <laughs> No, my favorite thing I think is to make them into ways to like socialize. So like obviously doing the dishes is not exciting, but like cooking can be fun, you know, with friends. Yes. So yeah. like we'll have friends over to just cook dinner all together, stuff like that. Um, you know, like my friends will help clean up if they're at the place already. So it's like nice, like there is a balance there. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely an adjustment. Like I think after living in the dorms for like a year, I so I moved off campus my second year and like the adjustment was huge. I think like also having to kind of um, like be more intentional, like this is just like a slightly, like a slight branch off of our question. But I think like maybe it'd be nice to talk about how you manage like the rest of your like life in terms of like making sure you're keeping up with your friends and stuff like that because at least for me I think the most difficult part about um starting to live off campus was like you're not constantly around people so you have to be a lot more intentional like freshman year I would just see you know I would go knock on my friend's door right next to me and say mm -hmm. hey do you want to get dinner like, but now it's like, okay, let's plan coffee for next week because otherwise I'm not going to see you for like a month. Um, so I'm curious if you have experience with that and if you want to share. Um, yeah, so first first of all, I, I was and I'm still an introvert, so I don't have that many friends, but I do have a lot, I do have enough friends. And I feel like one way for me to do that is just to um, attend more like events and go to events with my friends like for example um I mean in the law school we have a lot of like receptions and um seminars not like not like the seminar seminar but like where they um they do like panelists and then also lunch together so I feel like those are a great way for us to all get together and also like share a little bit about our lives but also I because I know that I'm introverted and I probably wouldn't like go out 
that often to like make new friends. So um, I made sure that I have a roommate who is from the law school. So I have a, like an actual human soul to communicate with while I'm also doing schoolwork. So yeah. No, no, that's so nice. I think um, having a roommate who like you really like work well with is really an amazing thing because kind of always have that go-to person then. Um, But that makes so much sense. I think that it's different for everyone. And I think having that like close, those like that group of people who are important to you is important, but like Mm -hmm. there's no need to have like a certain amount of friends or whatever. So it's good that you're able to kind of attend those events to like see your friends and spend time with them and like the panels sound like a good way to kind of feel like you're doing something productive but you also get to see your friends which is always a win-win right yeah Um, and also you can travel like during fall break spring break all those kind of breaks that's also so true um so what was it like like speaking of traveling what, what what was it like adjusting to the American college experience as an international student because I know that like I'm also sort of an international student so I want to hear more about your experience yeah um so I was lucky enough to be able to attend like to go to a private international high school so I was able to adjust to the U.S. culture a little bit more like like earlier than other people could but it was still quite like I wouldn't say tough but it's very different because um you know I come from China and like Chinese Asian culture is very different from the U.S. culture. And for example, um, in in like a traditional public school, like Chinese school setting, in class, you are not supposed to like ask that many questions and or interact with the teacher that more often. And it's because it's kind of offensive because, you know, you're supposed to be humble and respect the teachers. And one way to do that is just to like say, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think you are all right. <laughs> it's like that kind of thing. But in the US, it's completely different. It's the other way around. Like you're, you're supposed to interact with the teacher and that's a way to show your engagement with the material and um, with their teaching. And you are supposed to raise your hands to answer those questions and sometimes to challenge the teacher if you really have questions on what they said and like those sort of cultural differences were important but also um, could be tough um, initially but one way I try to like adjust to that culture is to say yes more often than to say no when I face those sort of situations and also to observe how my U.S. classmates do things and try to do those things and see if I like them. And I did. I really loved challenging my professors. And I feel like I have oh. a reputation for as- asking tough questions. And me they too. remember me for that. Yeah. No, I think the first day of freshman year, I was so I I'm very much um so I'm I'm an extrovert so I love meeting new people but in classes I sit in the front I sit front and center I don't talk to anyone I just like you know when I'm in class I'm in class right that's it but so I'm sitting front and center in my lecture freshman year right and my professor writes this statement on the board it was like everything is subjective or something like that everything's relative I don't know um and I and he he's like poses and this is a lecture hall of like 200 people okay 
he's he asks a question okay so what does everyone think of this and every it's a first class of freshman year so everyone is sitting there like oh I mean I think it's like interesting you know whatever and I and I stand I raise my hand I'm like I think it's incorrect I think you're wrong and like right. and, and that professor ended up being like my best friend like as a my professor bestie you know what I mean um yeah. and like he's he's been such a huge impact in my like life and you know like I I honestly think that's one of the most beautiful things about the American college system like the kind of culture that we have around making sure that it's good to ask tough questions that professors are humans too you know what I mean so I definitely feel that and I think like as an international student like when I went to high school in India it was actually very similar in that sense where you're just supposed to say like yeah okay I understand and like not ask questions and learn it yourself if you're like confused about something or like whatever um so I think it's really good that you really enjoyed that and took advantage of it because I am the same way and it's really good to hear that there's more people like that so yeah, uh, definitely. I feel like the professors, sometimes they really want to like be asked tough questions because they are interested in this field. And sometimes those questions can be inspiring to them too. And also they just, they're all like very kind souls. They don't bite and they yeah. really like to interact with you. Because I mean, who love to just stay in one empty room and do academic work all day? Like they want to talk to human beings. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, I think like my professor like would tell me, please come to office hours because otherwise I just sit there staring at the wall. Like he's, you know, he's paid to be there. So people come to him. Um, And I think like my best ideas for like just interesting things, like I write papers just out of interest have always come from just having conversations with my professor. And I always push back. I think it's really good to be like, well, I think you're wrong about that because of X, Y, Z. Like as long as I think professors are always really interested in having someone who's going to engage with their material, Mm -hmm. um, whether that's accepting it or challenging it, like either way. But if you're engaging with it genuinely, like, so I totally agree with that. And like on that vein, like, do you think... um, there's like a certain way that you built relationships with professors and the faculty. And if so, like, do you have any tips to um, people who are going into college who are in college to do that? You know? Yeah. um, First of all, I ask questions, all kinds of questions in class, in office hours, or when I see them in in the hallway. And after saying hi, I just (laughs) ask questions because I just like to challenge them I think it's fun and it you don't always have to have like a good question to ask like you can ask funny questions like just to be funny like that's okay people love jokes generally speaking um and um also feel free to well I guess that depends on the style of your professor but I feel like in my college a lot of a lot of the professors are interested in you as a human being and if you have like like questions unrelated to the class, but maybe related to you as a human being, like, um, for example, um, or if you just feel like you had a lot of fun from this travel that you did last week and you want to share that, that's okay too. Like, feel free to share anything as long as it's not too, you know, terrible. Not super um, personal stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree with that. I, I definitely think that's a good thing. Like, professors are human beings too, you know? Like, they want to hear about your life. You want to hear about theirs, you know? You can ask, like, how their family's doing and stuff like that. 
Yeah, and also I feel like it, um, like for me, I actually worked for a lot of the professors when I was at Kobe. Like I, um, I was a TA for my econ and also my writing professors, and I also, um, like. I don't know how to describe this, but I was a student fellow, like an intern sort of thing for um for a literary festival that my college co-held with Maine Writers and Publishers Alliance. And um one of the supervisors was um the department chair, also a professor in like the creative writing department. So I did a lot of those internships and jobs for my professors and I feel like that process is a great way to build relationship with them too, because you get to do something that's kind of different from like the normal classes that you take, and you get to see how like what sort of human being they are like when they're not just your professor. No, I totally agree with that. Like, I think some of the best ways that I built relationships with my professor. Well, actually. So I would just go to office hours and ask questions, but I was a research assistant from one of my professors. Um, I tutor for another one of my professors. And it's just great because you really get to see a different side of them in terms of like not just doing class material. And you're also kind of on the other side of like submitting assignments and then getting a grade. You know what I mean? Like you're not doing that anymore. So it kind of brings you a different perspective on things, which I think is really great. Um, yeah, and also sometimes you have this like you have this sort of like secret system between you and the professor whose yeah. class you used to take like because if you do TA like for example if it's intro to creative writing like you take that class and then the next year your professor invites you to be the TA for that class and then you get to see how like why the professors designed those materials and like the yeah. professor's strategy in encouraging you to like write freely openly share your secrets and then um you get to play this special role between like the professor and the students and you get to see how those strategies work it's really yeah. a lot of I recommend people doing that yeah yeah I definitely recommend people try and do something like either like assisting a professor or being a TA or something because I think the behind the scenes is really really interesting like you kind of get a different look at the course it's really cool and I think it's also nice to like be able to like you're reviewing the material again yourself because you know you're keeping it fresh in your mind um so it's a good way like I tutor for logic and that's the main way that I still remember everything from like you know my course because otherwise it's very easy to just like take a course and like kind of remember it but not all of it like after like a year um so it's really helpful um, so I'm very curious, like, why did you choose a small liberal arts college as opposed to like a big university setting? Yeah, so I I remember I was a huge fan of liberal arts college when I was still a high school student. And I actually applied primarily to LACs rather than larger universities, although I wouldn't, I guess I would try something new if I were to apply again. But um to me like the main factors that I considered was classroom experience because um I guess some large universities have smaller class size too but in liberal arts college you definitely get a lot of classes with really like small size like for me um in my writing classes especially they are mostly just like 13 to 20 people at most for each class sometimes the larger classes are like 25 people or 40 people at most like I I 
don't remember ever taking a class that's like larger than that size. And because of that environment, you get to interact with the professor like a lot more in every single class. And I feel like that's really helpful for you to like understand the material, but also to have a better classroom experience in general. And also I feel like, um, I guess this depends on your academic system, like in each school, but at Kobe, I feel like it's way easier to do double major and for you to explore multiple fields. Cause I know that at some large universities, they have a lot of like requirements for each major. And it's really hard for you to do double major because I mean, you, you can still do that, but you're going to be studying all day. But for, <laughs> yeah, basically, I mean, I still study all day, but that's my <laughs> yeah, yeah. college as well. But yeah, that's another thing I consider because I had a lot of interest and I want to try them all. So yeah, Kobe was, Kobe allowed me to do that. Um, also, I feel like the um, liberal arts college bubble is real. Like you, like in that environment, people don't talk about jobs and like anxiety about work that much. And you actually get to just stay in that environment to study the things you like and just not worry too much about the future. And that could be a bad or a good thing, depends on how you think about it. But I really enjoy that process because I mean, how many years do you get where you can just enjoy academics and not worry about work? Like yeah. the rest of your life to worry about work. So <laughs> that's, that's yeah. well, at least that's what I thought. So I just, I went to um, a liberal arts college. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. I think um, it's really important to live in the moment. I've noticed that like, I go to a very large school. I go to Boston University and there's definitely a culture of constantly worrying about what internship you have next summer and like what you're going to do after school and like you're not really in the moment about enjoying the material of your academics which is definitely something I have noticed I will say I love going to a large university um mm -hmm. so I advocate for it all the way but it sounds like liberal you I think you might have just like convinced me that liberal arts colleges are really really good choice and I'm kind of sad I didn't apply to any now because I I didn't want to I when I was applying I was like I don't want to go there that's not a good fit for me and honestly it probably wouldn't be as good of a fit for me because I love like I'm very extroverted so I feel like I love the opportunity to just meet like literally hundreds of people um but but I think you might have convinced me that it's really good because that sounds amazing. Yeah, um, like, but I, I do think that, I mean, they all have their pros and cons, but I feel like maybe, I'm saying maybe, this is a hypothesis, but I think introverted people will tend to like liberal arts college more because it's a smaller circle. It's sometimes it's less social anxiety. And also um, like there are a lot more opportunities for each student, like, because I feel like in larger universities, sometimes you just feel the pressure of having to go out more to like seek for opportunities. But in our college, because the professors are devoted to students and I mean, they are way more interested in teaching than research sometimes. And 
it's just easier to get opportunities that way. And it's very introvert friendly. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. Like, I think that's a really interesting point. Like, I think our, at least at BU, like, it's very research heavy. So, like, professors take research sabbaticals very often. Um, and they're always almost, like, working on something or the other. So, it definitely means that, like, opportunities are very competitive and it can be hard to apply for them. Um, but I definitely felt, like, I I think my, so my higher level philosophy courses were all um very small classes like 12 mm -hmm. to 15 to maybe maximum 20 people um but sitting in the lecture hall for like my computer science classes it's like 300 people so <laughs> way different experience and I definitely get that I think the attention to to like the personal attention that you sort of get um with the professor whose class you're in where it's a smaller setting is just so valuable. And it also really is one of those ways that you form a relationship with your professor. It's way yeah. harder to form a relationship with a professor who's teaching 300 kids. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I definitely think that makes so much sense. So I'm, you know, just to move on to like the topic of law school. So how did you decide that you wanted to go to law school? Yeah. For me, it's, yeah, the reasons are not that much fun, but I basically didn't want to, like, go work directly right after graduation. I wasn't actually, like, ap actively seeking for work when I was in college. I guess that's the downside of liberal arts college. Like, you don't think that much about the future, and sometimes you actually should think more about the future. But um, also a lot of my friends and classmates chose to go to graduate school and they were all in the application process. And I thought maybe I should do something similar too. And um, also like what I said, like I did this internship and I realized that law could be interesting, but I also, I actually have a really interesting little anecdote for why I finally decided to apply. So like, um, I think it was, in winter it's during dinner time and the dining hall was really crowded it was like 7 p.m and it's hard to find the seat so this guy came up to me and asked if he could sit sit next to me because like it's one of the only few seats that's like available and I said yeah and then I thought we we're just gonna be like awkwardly sitting there and scrolling through our phone and having meals but then he started talking and then and he's like hi I'm Jason. And I'm like, okay, um, hi, Jason. <laughs> I'm Jason. Oh, nice yeah. to meet you. And then this whole social thing started. And he's like, the next sentence, like literally the next sentence he said is, I want to be a lawyer. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what am I supposed to say? So I was like, okay, interesting. Why? And then we started this whole conversation. And he started to introduce to me like the sort of things he need to prepare for law school, and what he's doing right now, blah, blah, blah. And then I was, and then I heard about the LSAT. And I said, Oh, you must have really understood the law, like the US law in general, because otherwise, how would you be able to take the LSAT? And he's like, No, you don't need to like know any thing about the law like at all to take the LSAT and I was like what because yeah. part of the reason why I wasn't thinking about law school until then was because I thought you have to learn the law for the LSAT and like law 
itself, like the statutes are boring. I don't want to learn about the law. So yeah. that's part of the reason why I like didn't think too much about law school as a possible option for me. But then after that whole conversation, I did a little bit of research on this whole process about what the test is like, what the questions look like, and what my career options would be. I also talked to a bunch of people like my career counselors and also like some of my lawyer supervisors from my previous internship. And then I realized this is totally possible and it feels interesting to me. So the next week I messaged Jason, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to apply to law school too. Okay. <laughs> and then that's how this whole thing began. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's actually really amazing. I love that, that there was someone who just like sparked that like real interest for you um, or like at least jump started your process. You know, I think um, it's really funny you say that though, because also as like an international student, so like I went to middle and high school um well part of middle school and then all of high school abroad right so like I didn't take like AP U.S. history like I I don't know much about the U.S. history yeah. I'm gonna be honest like I learned the history of India and I can tell you like lots of things about the history of India and I actually did a lot of like Asian history but I didn't you know so you know I was very sometimes it's a little intimidating like I had an interview for a law job um recently and I was before and I was like so nervous I was like what if they like ask me like what date some big U.S. event happened and I don't know because like I probably yeah. wouldn't know like I can't name I honestly can't name all the presidents or anything like that I can't name all the states because growing up abroad it's just a different experience so it can be very intimidating to think that um it relies so much on like a knowledge of the U.S. but it's nice to like you know the LSAT is definitely more reasoning and thinking based you know yeah definitely you think in a certain way so I think that's why it's a little it's a little less intimidating for yeah math. also you don't even need to know math for yeah. the entire task although it does require like logic but you also don't need to take logic classes although yeah. they can be helpful yeah yeah, I do think they can be helpful, but again, yeah, none of it is like required, which is really good. It's just kind of a way to think, which is really awesome. Um, so how did you ultimately choose like Duke Law? Yeah, um, so actually like the program that I am in, like at Duke Law is like a dual degree program. It's not just JD, it's um JD and also um like a master in international and comparative law and wow I'm, that's really cool yeah um see I'm an international student and I get to work on international law um yeah, yeah but yeah. basically um so I wouldn't recommend people doing that but I applied to 26 law schools and it's like a lot obviously because everybody is like shocked when they hear that number and by and by the time I got to Duke I was like uh, this process is so like exhausting exactly. and yeah. I wanted to switch things up and then I saw that Duke had this um this dual degree program like they had multiple dual degree programs actually and this one caught my eye and I was like maybe this is like the program that I will like so I just applied to this and then Duke yeah. ended up being the program that I think would be the best fit for me but I did consider a lot of other things like for example this prestige I know that you are not supposed to like 
look at the rankings that yeah, much everyone does. applying to like when you're <laughs> applying to college and universities but but sometimes they really do matter especially for um law school because yeah. they want to like get big law jobs and like yeah. prestigious sort of positions sometimes it's like the ranking matters because well not the rankings but like the school's connections and reputation really matter for example yeah. like if you are in Yale or Harvard um, versus if you are in like I don't know like a school that's ranked um in the like 100 range it's yeah. very different like in terms of the opportunities you would be able to get right out of graduation although in the long term maybe that doesn't matter that much but yeah you know, it's, really, it's still important and also um consider like the like um, the scholarship side yeah. of things and the employment statistics the environment the location the weather like for me I really like Duke because you know Maine is so cold I love Kobe but Maine is so cold <laughs> the winter is so long but yeah. here it's like sunshine every day and like I love the southern yeah. weather yeah yeah Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, I, uh, Massachusetts is definitely on the colder side, but uh, I like it. I think, um, yeah, I think that's also something to really consider. Like I was talking to my little sister, she's going to be applying to colleges soon. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm not going anywhere cold. <laughs> so she's <laughs> considering Southern places because she's not really into that. So that's something very underrated that people don't think about. So it's good that you mentioned that. Um, yeah. So who supported you on your path to law school? Like, how do you recommend that students who want to apply to law school find support, maybe in college or even like outside if you have any recommendations? Yeah, I mean, people do this different ways. But for me, like I sort of did this DIY thing, like I did not go to any like, like career, like I guess agents is what they call like, I didn't use any of those. I but I did ask my supervisors, like my former like bosses, and also my professors, like the school career counsel- counseling office, and my friends and family, and like all the lawyers that I could find for help on different things. Like for example, I constantly bought my philosophy major friends for LSAT <laughs> because <laughs> questions are just so easy for them and. I mean, even though you don't need philosophy or logic to solve those issues, sometimes like an explanation from people with that background would be really helpful for you to see like the underlying logic behind all of those kind of questions. And so I constantly bugged him for that. Yeah. I also talked to my professors because I mean, I'm, I'm a creative writing major, so I do know a lot of professors who like who are great writers in the field. So I asked them for help on my personal statement. And also I talked to the lawyers about like future career options for like, um, for like after law school and they gave me great insights on the things I can do. And that's, that also helped me, um, helped me understand how I could, um, I guess, tweak my application package a little bit to reflect my interest like to show that I'm more interested and know more about law than you think and there's a genuine reason why I want to go to law school right after graduation from undergrad because normally um, applicants who are KJD so like from kindergarten <laughs> straight yeah, through, yeah. I've heard that I heard that yeah, like, yeah those sort of applicants sometimes are at a disadvantage because um, they like the 
I guess the admission officers would think, hmm, you don't really know that much about the society. Like, yeah. why would you want to do law? Like, they would have that sort of suspicion. And yeah. talking to these lawyers really helped me answer, like, those doubts and questions that um, yeah. these admission officers might have. So, like, in a certain way, I feel like it's really, like, a team effort. It's like, like, the reason why I'm here is actually... Um, I, I guess I, I guess I really have to thank all of those people who helped me. But yeah, I did bug a lot of people, basically everyone around yeah. me who could help me on this. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to build relationships with your professors, your friends too. So yeah. No, no, that's a great point. Um, you just made me feel really good as a philosophy major and a logic tutor. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, but no, I think that's a really good point. I really think that um, what you mentioned about the KJD as well is really important. Like one of the things that I asked most at my law internship this summer is like, why did you go straight through or why did you take time off? Mm -hmm. um, and it can definitely be very important. Like one of the things is that I think it's very important to have a real reason you're going to law school, not like, because yeah. for a lot of people it is partially like I did something in college that I really enjoyed but I also need to like make a certain amount of money or something like that like that can definitely be like a motivating factor for a lot of people but that usually isn't like a sufficient reason for like law schools to say yeah we're gonna give you admission so having like a concrete reason like I talked to these lawyers and I enjoyed learning about these specific law you know topics is really good to have so that makes so much sense um, and it's so great that you found the kind of support that could provide you with that at your school. So that's really, that's really good advice. And I would actually add that, I mean, the money side, it, it's, it's a good reason, but it's not a good enough reason. And even if you are able to get into law school, if money is like the only reason why you are there, you will feel like painful. <laughs> you probably will feel painful yeah. unless you're really talented, but because law school is a lot like there are a lot of things to learn and it get really like it's a lot of pressure and if you don't like this material or if money is your only like like incentive it might like be really like hard for you to like it, you might struggle in law school like a lot and you might question yourself, why did I do this? Because, I mean, if I go to investment banking or some other fields, maybe I'll still make a lot of money and I won't have to endure all these pains. So I feel like you really need to figure out why you want to be in law school. And also, um, I recommend talking to people more because networking is a really important aspect when you get to law school and also like for your future legal career, too, because I feel like there's just this culture of networking where people help one another because they were helped by upperclassmen and other people when they were a student too. And it's also a great way for you to understand like what other opportunities there are for you. And it's just also just a great habit for you to like gain more information and make new friends, like those kind of thing. Yeah. No, that's such a good point. Like, I really think that's very true. Um, and I think getting that habit is also really important. So that's a good way to do it. Um, so let's move on to like our lightning round. So we can just like do quick, like 
answers to these questions are super casual but like what's one thing that you really worried about before starting college and or during your first year of college I mean I'm a person who gets like easily anxious and I worried about a lot of things but one thing I guess the primary thing I worried about was the weather it's because I mean I come from Shenzhen China and I basically like stayed there like for the like the entirety of my life and it's warm it's kind of kind of like California but maybe even warmer and it's just so I really can't imagine how I could survive in the north you know like literally like the slogan like Kobe College use is there northward I'm like oh man (laughs) there northward just go figure yeah Um, and, and yeah but it I I turned out to do okay like it's yeah not you, you just <laughs> you just get some supplies and you maybe your jacket is a bit thicker a lot thicker than usual <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah. I mean I but sometimes like especially during the like in January the sun sets at like 3 p.m and it can be like 3 p.m Yes, wow. during okay. January, sometimes in February that. too, wow. and I miss the sunshine sometimes, but snow is pretty, it's kind yeah. of, like, you know, the, the world of like princess and like castle, yeah. so yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely, about it. yeah, there's definitely different sides to it, I think, um, adjusting for me, like from being, so I grew up in New York, so I had that experience with like colder weather, but like, going from India back to like Boston that was like you know my first semester I was like oh my gosh but yeah like you know get a good jacket and like it is kind of nice um so it's good to hear yeah um you survived so I survived (laughs) yeah yeah um and now you're in a place that is all sunny and like southern weather so that's nice yeah but I might still go back to the north for work because I feel like I'm interested like in the business side of things so New York is like one of the central places for that so I'll have to like get like I'll have to take out my thicker jacket (laughs) once I get there yeah Yeah. New York isn't as bad as Maine though like New York isn't like Massachusetts I think it's like New York is like out of Maine Massachusetts and like New York New York is the best Mm -hmm. like it's not that old honestly so if you if you survive in Maine you'll be fine in New York (laughs) yeah um so what's something that you feel fortunate to have done like something that really shaped the person that you became in college um I felt fortunate that I um just generally stepped outside of my comfort zone and took a lot of classes in like all sorts of fields and also try to interact more with my professors because all of those things are like outside of my comfort zone. I'm very introverted back when I was a high school student. And um, I remember taking like really weird classes, like Japanese culture. Like it's about how women in the 19th century or something in Japan, how they worked and the situation that they faced. I mean, even though I'm Asian, I don't really know Japanese or about Japanese culture in general, but the topic seemed interesting to me. So I just took the class. I did a lot of things like that. And also I I just felt fortunate that I tried to bond more with my professors and it really made my whole college undergrad experience a lot more like, I guess, 
richer and more interesting. Uh, my piano professor actually invited me to her, like to her house for dinner, like on Thanksgiving, like twice. So That's I just sweet. spent two Thanksgivings at her house, like eating her delicious food and all of that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, building professor, like relationships with professors like that, it's really incredible. So I'm really glad that you got to do that. Um, and taking like interesting classes is definitely something I think everyone should make time for in college. Like I took, um, like I wish I could have pursued a minor in Russian literature, but I was able to at least take a few classes in it. Um, like I, I want to take like hopefully senior year, I'll be able to take some like art history classes, you know, just like fun stuff. It doesn't have to be, you know, trying new things, just learn. Cause I think college is that time when it's like, just dedicated to learning yeah which is something that you don't get to do after college unless you stay in academia and even if you stay in academia usually you're going to be like sticking to one thing because mm -hmm. you're expected to produce work in your field um so I think it's really nice that in college you get to like kind of explore and so I think people should definitely take advantage of it I'm really glad that you did so yeah. What's a mistake that you made during undergrad or something that you wish you had done differently? Yeah, I I really wish that I had learned how to drive before or I guess during undergrad because, I mean, I'm lazy and I also don't like anything that involves using your hand and like coordination, <laughs> those kind of <laughs> yeah. things. And I just, um, whenever people ask me, do you want to get a driver's license like this summer or something? I'm like, Nah, I'll think about that later. And I just kept pushing it off. I still don't have I still don't have a driver's license, but I feel like it significantly impacted my um quality of life when I was in undergrad. Cause especially because if if you go to like a college in the middle of nowhere, like I mean I love Waterville, it's a great place, but it's it's not like a big city where you can get a lot of like entertaining stuff you can go to I guess the music theater you can like have fancy dinners in a restaurant or something it's just it's there are not these options unless you have a car and yeah I wish I did that no that makes sense I, I also don't know how to drive because of the whole situation with like COVID and the way that it just like worked out um because mm -hmm. I was still in India at the time and like that's I'm lucky because I think living in Boston has been nice. Like I walk everywhere or if I really have to, I'll take an Uber. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But also we have like the train and stuff. So like if I, you know, if I have the time, I'll take the train or something like that. So it's nice to be able to do that. But like, it is definitely like, I, it's just hard to find the time to do it. Like it's really, you know, but it's a very valuable skill. And like, yeah, like whenever I go to the suburbs, like, I live in Long Island right now so when I'm not in school I go to Long Island and I'm just trapped there unless my family drives me around because I can't drive so yeah but I, I feel like that depends on where the location is because if you're for example if you're in California you'll probably be forced to like learn to drive once you get there especially if you're living off campus but if you're in like the northeastern corner of the U.S. like there are I don't like um greyhounds buses and yeah, yeah. trains all of that so yeah. it, there's a it's lot of transportation relatively easier to get yeah. like yeah yeah definitely okay thank you so much for like coming onto this podcast I think this was an incredible episode it was like really great to hear about your experience with pioneer and music theory and 
how your interest in like creative writing and you know economics and stuff like that really led to a development and an interest in law school um and I'm really glad that you were able to really take advantage of all the resources at your college which seemed like you really loved your experience at Colby um Mm -hmm. to kind of get to where you are now so yeah yeah thank you I really enjoyed talking to you yes it was lovely speaking to you too Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Uncharted. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please feel free to leave a review and don't forget to follow us at Pioneer underscore Academics and Scholars of Pioneer on Instagram. See you next time!